Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. God is good, and all the time, you may be seated. As you are, I want to invite you, if you would, in your Bibles to go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, it'll take me just a little bit to get there. But I want to just piggyback what Pastor Tim shared with you. We're just a couple weeks out of Easter. And Easter is a game changer, isn't it? He truly is, as we just sang, a resurrected king. He just didn't conquer death. He is the king of life. And it's him, everything changes, true? And so I want you to think about it. Come this May, it have been 22 years since my wife and I pulled into a place called Sioux Falls. And God began to do an amazing work, and he is not finished. And so... As I share with you, I mean, I get these questions asked quite a bit. Will we add other services so we can kind of get back to normal? I just want to simply say, we're not going back to anything. I have to keep saying that. I do not want to go back. We're going to press on and move forward. So it's not about adding services, and I want to say this, that's convenient to your world. We will add services as we're being the church in our city and then fill them up with people who need Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. I've had some people say, literally say to me, well, pastor, if we're not going to add a Saturday service, we're going to go to a church where they do. Now, I just think that's sad to me. That hurts my heart. And I simply say, I'm sorry to hear that. We don't want you to go anywhere. But to add a Saturday service for you as a child of God to come where it's convenient, your schedule seems to really, if you will, seems to go in contradiction to what the Word of God is about. We'll add a Saturday service as long as you come and bring lost people with you. Because that's why we're here. I just want you to think about this. Somewhere we've got to, we've got to start putting things in light of what the Bible says. Why as Christians do we say we surrender ourselves, but then we keep fighting for what we like and what's comfortable? That seems odd. That's like getting to heaven and looking at God going, listen, I only want to be here if they have a Saturday service, Okay. <laughs> And, and Jesus only preaches like, you know, like, because we got a few clouds to run to. And, and I mean, it just seems odd, doesn't it? Jesus himself, who we say is Savior, gave his life on a cross. Why would he expect anything less than for us? Jesus Christ washed feet. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And he washed feet. And it says, as your Lord and Savior wash feet, you wash feet. I didn't come to be first, I came to be last. And if you want to lead, you need to be last. Because all the first will be last. And all those who will choose to be servant will be then what greatest of all. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not about us. And then Jesus said what? Go and shine your light. Where did he ever say in the Bible is go be comfortable, keep it to yourself because it's just personal. May everybody else go to hell, but thank God you're coming to heaven. So it doesn't make sense. It doesn't even fit the narrative. What is the point of being a follower of Jesus if we're not going to follow Jesus? What does the word Christian mean but to be Christ-like? To give our lives away. 
And so this is a, I, I will tell you, I, I say this, I, I always want to be, if you will, the hands and feet of Jesus. I trust all of us really want to be that. Anytime I get up and preach, I don't want to say something that, that, that I think. I want to tell you the truth of what God wrote. That's always my heart. And so I'm, I'm very careful about saying these, the, what I'm about to say, because after all the years that I've been preaching, I'm very aware of the fact that I'm still human and I can get it wrong. But sometimes I think when I get it wrong is really the test if we're really going to be the church. Because any, anybody can be a friend when we all agree. True? See, anybody can do that. But, but when we press in, when we don't get it right, that's, that's to me what the Bible says. You want to know who my, my real followers are? Watch how they love one another. Love is always best testified when we're not on the same page. But we keep loving the same person. <laughs> You see, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so, but I will tell you, I really believe that God has laid in my heart that this Easter, this is a time we, we are adding, if you will, sort of a test measure. We're adding a fate 815, and uh, we're doing that uh, uh, because we don't want to change the 10. We don't need to change anything. There's been way too much change in our world, Drew. So we're keeping the 10 o'clock partly so, you know, hopefully we can get out before noon so you can beat the rush. Um, and I, I will tell you, I like that. Um, but did, was it just me? Cause I know he's watching. Wasn't pastor Mike just a little too long? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I love you brother. Uh, he, he wrote me and said he was, he was watching. He kept hiding behind me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and I still beat the line. So, uh, but, but we're adding the 815 because what a time for your neighbors, your friends, people that don't know Christ to come, because here's the deal is we're not going to talk about Jesus. We're not going to talk about your typical Easter, if you will, about Jesus dying on a cross and rising from the grave. Here's, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the one who gave his only begotten son. It's a message I've entitled, Father Like Son. You know how the old adage goes. And I, I want to talk about this, for God so loved the world. Because I will tell you, when you really get to know the Father, boy, you really get to understand the Son. And I want to tell you about God. And I'm going to use the prodigal story because and, 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 it really should be called the prodigal father, not the prodigal son, when you understand what the word prodigal means. And I want, to, I want us to see a father, how much he really loves broken, lost people and how far he's willing to go. I'm excited about the message. I really felt God laid it on my heart. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing Easter. This is a time. Let's pack this place out. And uh, any of you watching online, bring them to your house. Pack your house out, and uh, it's going to be great. D treat it like the Super Bowl. You know, have the snacks and all the hors d'oeuvres. Have them come over. Get ready for the pregame because when the game starts, God's going to win. It's going to be awesome, okay? All right? So uh, I I'm excited about that. If you haven't got your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians 4. But I want to tell you a little story about legendary magician Harry Houdini. I'm sure you've heard of him. Most people don't know that when he would come into town to do his show, he would often go to the local jail, gathering a crowd of people along the way to create a buzz, if you will, for his upcoming performance. You see, once there, he would ask the jailer to lock him in a sale. And time after time, jail after jail, town after town, the great Harry Houdini would escape within minutes. Of course, people would be impressed. They'd tell their neighbors more, and they'd come to the show that evening. Until one local jailer, who had heard that Houdini was coming, was ready. 
Thus, when Houdini stepped inside the clo- and closed the door of the jail cell, the jailer secretly, if you will, turned the key the wrong way, leaving the cell door actually unlocked. Everyone watched as Houdini struggled to escape, unknowingly locking himself in every time. Finally, in frustration, the great Houdini admitted he could not escape. And it was at that the jailer revealed his little secret. Now, I don't want you to miss this. And I'll say it again. The great Harry Houdini had been lied to. Would you agree? But the lie wasn't his problem. And I don't want you to miss this. It was that he believed the lie. And you might say, well, he didn't know he was lied. And I contend the same problems in the church today. You and I have been lied to. But the problem in the church isn't that someone lied to you. That doesn't surprise me. It's how many of God's, quote, followers believe the lie. But, but pastor, I'm, I'm not gifted like Chris Fickle. Lie. But since I don't have nothing to really offer, lie. Well, it's just, just the way I am. Nah, it's a lie. And yet too many of the church, those who claim to be a follower of Christ, don't even understand that the greatest battle you have is not your spouse. It's not a wayward child. It's not your boss. It's not even the devil himself. Your greatest adversary is you and what you've chose to believe. It's the greatest battle that we all have. If you, if you will, it's the battle of the minds. Is it not? In fact, Henry Ford once said, whether you believe you can or you cannot, you're always right. You're always right. It's crazy how it works. Proverbs 23 says this, for as a man thinks, now watch, in his heart, this is the issue. There are thoughts that the Bible says I need to take captive but I need to take captive as a lie, not take them captive as in my heart as a belief. And some of you, that's what you've done as a man thinks in his heart. Over time, you've believed it to be true, and it's a lie. And the Bible says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You see, every battle we face is lost or won right here. Every battle you face is lost or won in our minds. For as you think, as you believe, it shapes everything in your life. In fact, the Bible says it in Proverbs 4. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. It's shaped by your thoughts. So if you want to win at life, you ready for this? you got to change your thinking. you got to change your thinking. And it's to that that I want to help you. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard these words. Anybody ever heard the words unavoidable, excuse me, unavoidable defect? Has anybody heard those? 
Isn't that crazy? And yet you and I are victims of it all the time. Are you ready for this? Unavoidable defect is actually a term that the FDA uses to refer to the amount of contamination that they will allow in your food. And let, me, let me say it another way. The FDA says, your food's contaminated. We're okay with that when it's at a certain level. Oh, I'm, trust me, you're, you're going to change when I help you this. This is actual FDA stuff. Are you ready for this? Pizza. Anybody like pizza? Might be your last day you like pizza. The FDA allows 30 fly eggs per 100 grams of pizza sauce. Mmm, good. How about chocolate? You don't want to know, do you? The FDA allows in 100 grams of chocolate, 60 insect parts. See, now that just makes sense to me. That's why they actually take things like grasshoppers, and now we have them called chocolate-covered grasshoppers, you know what I mean? I mean, you can get bugs covered with chocolate. Why not? It's already in there. How about in a canned citrus fruit juice? <laughs> this one's going to mess with you. The FDA will allow up to one maggot per 250 milliliters, about one cup of a fruit juice. But here's good news. There's good news. If there is a container of juice that does not contain a maggot, it cannot have five or more fly eggs. <laughs> How about pasta? Anybody like pasta? I know, some of you are thinking, see, this is why we started meeting. It doesn't even matter if we get to lunch today, does it? <laughs> I get the word fast in the church, you know what I mean? FDA in pasta allows in six samples of pasta, 225 insect fragments. Now listen, this is why from here on out, you can call me Your Excellency. You can call me Reverend. You do not call me Pasta Keith, okay? All right, no more. All right. How about, some of you are going. All right. How about peanut butter and jelly sandwich? In most jams, okay, and I'll just use cherry jam, there can be up to 30% mold. In 100 grams of peanut butter, they will allow 20 milligrams of dirt, 30 insect fragments, and two rodent hairs. <laughs> and in every kilogram of wheat, they will allow 9 milligrams of rat poop. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that stinks, okay? Now, you say, why am I... You can go home now. Anyway, you say, why in the world am I telling you this? Because I don't want you to miss this. This is actually liberating. You ready for this? Because some of you probably never going to eat again. <laughs> I'm not vegetarian. I'm like never. I'm dying. Okay. The FDA 
understands what G-O-D says about life. Nothing is perfect. Now you say, why do I say that? Because you know what's hurting the church today? Thinking you are. Because you know why we can't forgive others? Because of this mindset. Because we don't want to give what we're not willing to admit. When you understand the cross of Christ, that the perfect one took our imperfection, it's a whole lot easier to extend the same. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. I'm not trying to excuse who we are. I'm just trying to help you understand who he is and this whole battle that goes on within us. And I'm going I'm to help you with this. But nothing is perfect. We need to deal with it. Just as our food is broken, we're all broken. Every relationship we've ever been in or ever will be is broken. The economy is broken. Can someone give me an amen? Okay. The weather is broken. The weather is broken. The weather is broken. Has anybody seen that? The Bible tells us, look at Ecclesiastes 7. This is God's word. There's not a single person in all the earth. Look at someone right now and say, that includes you. Okay? There's not a single person in all the earth, ready for this, who is always good and never sins. Now you say, why do I say that? Yet why is it when someone does, we're quicker to walk away than we are to step in? Why is it that we read the scriptures and we're quicker to talk about someone else's failure than to ever admit our own? The FDA is a little more closer to G-O-D than maybe we're willing to understand. See, James goes on to say it this way. He's just crystal clear. No one is perfect. And then he adds these words. Look at, look at these words. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. <laughs> Can someone give me an amen? amen. Absolutely. Amen. Folks, every part of our life is broken. And some of us have parts in our personality. It's what? Broken. Parts in relationships are what? Broken. And the older we get, parts of our bodies. <laughs> my, my, all the older people are going, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, now he's going to talk about me. I, I've shared this before, but I thought I'd share it again. You know, it's about a little old couple, man, somewhere in their 80s. And, and she had, uh, before she crawled into bed, she had just gotten out of the shower. She's not wearing anything. She walks into the room. He's reading a, a, the newspaper in bed. And she stands in front of a, a, a full-length mirror. And she just is really down in herself. She's like, look at me, look at me. Everything in my body is falling apart. Look at me, put my arms out, it just falls. I turn around, it just falls. Everything's falling. She turns to her husband and says, is there anything in my body? Tell me something good. He says, well, your eyesight's good. <laughs> but, But listen, listen, listen to this. 
if there's one thing I want you to grasp as we walk about this battle in our mind and understanding what it means to be in community with each other and experience the love of Christ the way it's supposed to be experienced, please get this. As I just said, everything is broken, right? So here's the fact. None of us can be sinless, correct? But we can sin less. That's what Jesus came to help us understand. And you ready for this? And in sinning less, less becomes more. More in how we live our lives in the world. Less we will beat ourselves down because in Christ he's been what? Building us up. Less will we gossip because we understand that our words can condemn us and he's already freed me. Less the fact that we will be more divisive or less about being divisive and more about being united. And all of that happens when we understand this battle. When Jesus said, this truth will set you free. And I want to show you this. Because this is such a powerful, powerful thing. Because, you ready for this? When we are in Christ, we're a new creation. And yet the problem in the new creation is this ugly old keeps wanting to stick its face up and lift its voice up. Isn't that true? Come on, has anybody ever gone through life going, man, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm trying to do the right thing, and then you get to the end and you're just exhausted, you're just worn out? Anybody? Have you ever felt that? You're just like, doggone it, God, I, I, man, I want to do what's right. You feel like what Paul said, don't you? When he says, I want to do what's right, but I keep doing what's wrong. And you just feel so beat up sometimes, and, and we're going to literally walk through that. This cycle of destruction and then how God flipped everything over and made it a cycle, if you will, of growth and of life. And I'm going to literally pull that apart next week. But man, I want to I help you in this battle of the mind, how we can win this thing over because it's not going to be easy. I'm just going to be up front. And I want you to write these down real quick and then we're going to look at the answer right from God's word. But there's a reason why it's not been easy, and I want to show you how it happens. Here's the first one. It's not going to be easy to change the old nature. You know why? Because it's what we've been practicing. We've been practicing it. I hear Christians, every time they leave the altar, most of them go right out the door, and instead of talking about what they now receive, they keep talking about where they've been. And as the old adage goes, practice makes... Perfect. By the way, let me just say this. When you keep practicing the old nature, it becomes the pattern by which you try to live out the new one. Practice makes patterns. You've heard the words familiarity breeds contempt. Well, it's true. And when something doesn't get addressed, it becomes our dress by which we walk in this world. And that's not easy to change. Should be. But I don't think we understand what it really means to surrender to Christ. And what we didn't get is when we surrender to Christ, the devil doesn't go away. 
There's a reason he's called the father of lies and he just keeps telling us, doesn't he? He just keeps feeding it. And every time that we breathe it, our words condemn ourselves. I'm just nobody. Yes, you are. You're somebody in Christ. Quit telling me about what you used to be. Well, I've always been this way. No, you haven't. Quit telling me about where you've been. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you are right now and where you're going. That's why Paul said, I put everything behind and I press on to what lies ahead. But you hear it in the church. And then, by the way, then the church doesn't help. Oh, you know how he is. Well, that sounds like someone who loves God and loves the family of God. Why do you keep talking about the family of God? In a way that God would never talk about you. See, that's the stuff on Paul says we have to take it captive. Because when you keep rehearsing it, it becomes the pattern by which you live it out. We need to quit living as the devil is telling us lies and we need to start walking in the truth of what God says who we are. Amen, Amen to that? But that doesn't happen. And I'm gonna, again, I'm going to show you how. But it's hard to make the change when it's the way we've been practicing. And then when it becomes practice, you ready for this? That's over time. It became our identity. That's why it's hard to change. It became who we are. I, mean, I just said it. How many times you heard someone say, maybe you, it's just the way I am. I've always been this way. My daddy was that way. My grampy was that way. I was like, dear Lord, they're all dead. <laughs> Watch this. You see what happens? Every time you talk like that, you become your own self-fulfilled prophecy. You keep becoming exactly what you say. And you start living the lie because you're believing the lie. Back to our first story. The door is unlocked. Just push it open. Christianity isn't a magic trick. I don't care who the jailer is, the father of lies. I don't care which way he turns the lock. In Christ, the door is always open. Just open it up. Just open it up. See, we have to stop confusing our identities with our defects. So I, I don't know about you. I'm still going to eat pizza. See, if some of you stop and go, why would you, why would you, why would you do that? Well, I didn't know that. It's, it's the truth, but it's a lie. Only in the sense is you've been eating pizza all these years. You're not dead yet. Why would you stop eating pizza? Just because of something I said? And yet how many Christians are going right along and the devil says one little thing and it alters and changes their entire life? I'm free in Jesus. I was free the day I gave my life to Christ and as I've grown, I'm still walking in that freedom. I'm not going back because of what the cross did in that moment in time. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the world says. I don't give a rip. My God who created all things says, you're my child and whom I love. I wrote your name in the book of life and nothing can snatch that out. I'm eating pizza. 
I'm eating chocolate. White chocolate. White chocolate. Okay. The white chocolate goes over that peanut butter. Okay. All right. You see how it works? But when you keep practicing it, it becomes your identity. But can I tell you another reason why it's going to be a little hard to change? Because there's this, there's this Satan who wants to destroy our lives. And he's not going to go away. He's not going to go. If you don't want Satan in your life, then resign right now. I want to go to hell. And he'll leave you alone. And just make sure you enjoy the few little years that you have in the scratch of forever. Because that's all you're going to get. But I would rather have to fight a battle. You ready for this? In that little scratch. Knowing that I'm victorious and I'll have forever. And all he has is the scratch. You see how that works? And so we'll, we'll, we'll battle. We'll battle. There's a reason why John 8, that Jesus said he's the father of lies. That's what he does. He's been whispering in our ears lies, and he's going to do it till the day you breathe your last. But why? Because he wants you and I to stay in our stuckness. But God says, no, I got something better. And so if you got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And folks, this is good news, isn't it? This is good news. This is great news. In fact, in fact, I'm going to do something. I don't know if it's a prompting of God, but if you're able to, I, I want us to stand in the presence of God as we read. I want us to stand in the presence of God as we listen to his word. And if you've got your Bibles, you put it right there in front of you. Have your pen in hand because I want you to look what God's word says. Ephesians 4, verses 14 is where I'm going to begin. And I'm reading from the Bible app. Maybe you're following along with me. I love this thing. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Then, he's talking about what it means to walk in Christ. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, I love that, It helps the other parts grow. I need you. You need me. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. What is he talking about? The unsaved. For they are hopelessly confused. No kidding. Their minds, watch this. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds. Notice that. If you want to circle a word, circle that. They closed their minds. 
and thus they hardened their hearts against him. That's what happens. When we're not in the word, we will be in the world, and the world will eventually take over. That's why Jesus said, it's this truth that will set you free. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures, and they eagerly practice. Notice that practice becomes their pattern. They practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned. That isn't what you learned. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. It's time for it to die. Which is being corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Notice what the Spirit's going to renew. Your thinking. Romans 12 says, be transformed by, the, transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need a new mind. We need God's mind. Verse 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. You may be seated. Love God's word. Someone give me an amen. amen. I want to give you four keys to effective change, four keys to battling, if you will, this battle in our mind, because we all know that our minds just mess us up, don't they? They keep telling us the wrong things. I don't want you to have those wrong things. I don't want you to have stinking thinking. You're better than that. And according to God, you're more valuable than that. And Satan is the father of lies, and trust me, he's going to keep speaking all these lies. That's why I'm not anti-TV, but if you spend more time in front of the TV than you do in God's Word, guess what you're going to start believing? If you keep turning on CNN, you're going to be in SIN. Why is it that we stop and go, well, the media just tells us lies, but not Fox? You know what I mean? Anybody ever heard sly as a fox? Okay. I'm not trying to criticize. I'm just telling you. There are so many people that have the news. The problem is there's only one who has the good news. And we need to decide what we're going to tune into. I'm not anti those things. I'm not anti going to a good game. I love a good game. I love watching talent in motion. I don't care where it is whether it's on a field or on a canvas of art or someone singing. I, I'm I just love talent in motion everywhere you go. It's just the coolest thing to watch. But I want to make sure I spend most of my time with the one who gave them the talent because we're all going to become like that which we hang around. And Satan knows that, but God knows that too. So here's the first thing that Paul tells us if we want to make an effect, effective change and we want to win in the battle of our minds. Here's the first one. We have to learn the truth. Say that with me. We need to learn the truth. Ready for this? Not just the truth about God, but the truth about you and I. Both matter. Because no one in this room is going to experience freedom until they know God's truth about you, what he knows about you, and what he knows about himself. 
Look what verse 21 says. Since you have heard all about Jesus. Circle that. Since you heard all about Jesus. But watch, he adds, and have learned the truth that is in him. See, both are important. Because we all know you can hear something, but you never heard it. See, to hear something, it changes us. You know, young people, when mom comes and says, can you go clean your room? And an hour later, you hadn't cleaned the room. You never heard her. Oh, you can say you heard her. You just never heard her. And you don't want to mess with mama, okay? All right? Because in our house, you, you saw my dad. See, my mom was brilliant. You don't mess with mama because then mama always called daddy. <laughs> and... I always love, I remember years ago, one of my brothers was, was kind of having a, a, a match with mom. And no kidding, mom went to slap him. And he goes, grabbed her hand and says, you think that'd be wise. <laughs> and my mom, as calm as I'm standing here, goes, let's ask your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a game changer. And I loved every minute of it. <laughs> so it's not just in hearing. According to James chapter 1, it's about doing. Because that's what it means to really have learned something. See, I, I want you, if you would, if you got your Bibles, go to, go to Romans real quick. Just flip over to Romans. There's a powerful passage here that we all, maybe we're familiar with, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. But I think something gets missed here so often, and I want you to watch this. So verse 16 says in Romans 10, But not everyone welcomes the good news, for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So he adds that verse. So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? a great question he says yes they have the message has gone out through the earth and the words to all the world so I want to say this again Romans 1 even says this when people stop and go why what about those people who've never heard about God according to Romans 1 that God has the power to show himself without you and I even speaking about him because Romans 1 says that no one is without excuse God has made himself known even through his creation. That's why I don't believe in atheists. And yet I've always, I, I even said that once, and a guy comes up and goes, well, I am one. Well, if you were one and you really didn't believe in God, why do you even care what I said? Why are you so defensive? See, someone who doesn't believe in something isn't defensive. They have nothing to talk about because it doesn't exist in the first place. So the moment they let you know, they're telling you what they really believe. They're just hurt. And that's what I've learned. I don't believe that people don't believe there's a God. They've been hurt by God. They've been mad. They're upset. Might have lost a child and say, well, if there really is a God, that's a fair question. They might have gone through a broken relationship. That's a fair question. I'm not offended by that. I get that question. I'm glad they're asking it. But do you see how this works? So he says, yes, they have. The message has gone out to the earth and the words to all the world. But watch the very next question. But I ask, 
Did the people of Israel really understand? Did they really understand? See, I'm here to tell you, if you don't get anything else, get this. The secret to a personal change is not a pill, a program, or a process. You can go to all the counseling you want. But there's a reason why he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Everything we need is right here in the Word of God. Amen to that? It's right here in the Word of God. And as the great prophet Sean Connery said in The Untouchables, thus ends the lesson, okay? <laughs> but now listen, this book is not just God's truth about you. It also reveals the lies you believed about yourself. And so as you read, out goes the old and in comes the new. That's why we have to really, if we want to make a change, we not only have to face the truth of God, but we need to face the truth about ourselves. That's where surrender comes in. We've got to know and face the truth about our relationships, the ones we shouldn't have been in. <laughs> we've got to know and face the truth about our past, places and things that we've done we shouldn't have. We've got to know and face the truth about our habits, our hurts, and our hang-ups. Are you ready for this? Because behind every self-defeating behavior was a lie you chose to believe. And the only way change comes is by confronting the lie with the bedrock of God's truth. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, anyone who hears my words and puts them into action is like a wise builder who built his house on the rock. So when the winds blow, the rain falls, that house will stand. He's the father of lies. Satan is always lying to us, but God never will. So what are the lies that you need to learn the truth about and admit them? And in doing that, you learn the truth about what God really says about you. Amen, Simone? Come on, give me an amen, okay? This is why we do these classes. This is why we encourage you to be in a life group, not a death group. A life group that opens God's word. It's why we tell you to bring your Bibles. Because Jesus said what? When you know the truth, the whole truth, his truth, nothing but that truth, it will set you free and will help you make the change. Learn the truth. Amen? Here's number two. But for that to happen, you have to make the choice. You've got to make the choice because change doesn't happen by chance. It happens by choice. You can do all you want about wanting, willing it, or wooing it. But nothing happens until you choose it. Folks, I know a lot of people who think about change. I know a lot of people who even plan to change. But they never change because they never make the choice and pull the trigger. you got to make the choice. It's like a trapeze artist, you know, in the circus. What do they do? What makes it so spectacular and you pay the big bucks? They come down. And they let it go so they can grab hold of the other that takes them to the other side. But imagine if they just all of a sudden went, you know, you'd, you'd be glad you paid just to see how long they can hold that thing, you know what I mean? They ain't even got a net. This is going to be good. You know, I think this is what a lot of people in God's church as Christians look like. Are you ready for this? Do you know why for God so the world he gave us Jesus? 
He did this so you didn't have to. Let it go. Make the choice. Ephesians 4, look at verse 22. Throw off, throw off your old evil nature. Throw it off. Let it go. You know, that former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. As I said earlier, it's hard to make the change. And this is why Paul said in Philippians 2, he says this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. It's like going to the gym. Why do you keep going to the gym? Because that's where muscle grows. You need to work out your salvation. You don't just walk up to the altar of God and surrender your life and then go back to what you think. Satan's a roaring lion. He'll chew you up. He'll spit you out. He's a lion. Anybody ever seen The Lion King? He's Scar. Come on. But, but we got Mufasa, okay? <laughs> we got Simba, all right? And Scar is going to die. You got to throw it off. Make the choice. You got to work out your salvation. You got to stay in the gym. That's why I get up every morning, this morning, up early, out of my prayer walk. I love it. And then in the Word of God, because nothing else matters more, I go to work out my salvation. But watch what he says. For as you work it out, look what happens. For it is God who works in to will and to act according to his good purpose. He's changing our thinking. As I'm in the word, working it out, he's working it in. Isn't that a good word? See, the working out is my part. I got to let go. And the working in is God's part where I grab hold. And everybody applauds. That's pretty cool. Isn't that cool? Which brings me to step three. Here's step three. So then you need to what? Work the Spirit. Okay? you got to work the Spirit. This is such important stuff, people. Don't miss this. you got to work the Spirit. Let me just process these through one more time, okay? Learn the truth. Make the choice to work the Spirit. You might want to put the word two in front. Romans 8, 6 says this. The mind, the mind controlled by the sinful nature is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. You just can't get up every morning and go out and say, Well, today I'm going to be a more patient person. <laughs> How's that working for you anyway? Like I say that every morning. And then I get in my truck and go out in traffic. Okay? <laughs> and it's amazing. The mind of the flesh seems to show up. Anybody else with me? Oh, truck, put your hand up. I have seen you drive, okay? <laughs> you see, you might want to write this down. Willpower is not God's power. Willpower is not God's power. Fruit is an inside job. You can plant any tree you want out back. You can staple oranges to it, all right? It's not going to fare well. I'd get out there and pick them as fast as you could, okay? And then don't count on, or count on oranges being there tomorrow. Fruit is an inside job. That's why Paul says in, in Ephesians 4, look at, throw off your evil nature, your former way of life, and instead, 
Here's the grabbing hold of. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit do it. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, how does the Spirit do this? This is that stuff where I told you. It is, is we, can, we may not be able to be sinless, but we can sin less. Here it is. You know how the Spirit works? Gradually. Someone go, oh, thank you for telling me that. I'm saddened by churches that say, now you've arrived. Go and change the world. You have nothing between your ears, but good luck. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, it's a, this is what I love about God. Do you know why? Because if you and I met Jesus and he showed you everything about your life in that moment, there's not a person that could handle that. There's nobody in this room could handle it. If he showed you how wicked you are. And so like a little child, he applauds us when we're born. And then we start rolling, and then we roll over. And what do we do? We take our phone out, and we take a picture, and we tell everybody. And then when they take that first step, ah, we're so excited. And then they learn to walk. And then they turn 10. And my little daughter doesn't want to sleep around us or near us much anymore. And you realize, doggone it, another chapter closed. And so I wrote my daughters this weekend when that happened. And I wrote Jordan and Jaden. I said, I just got to tell you, your dad is, is so grateful, but he's feeling sorry for himself right now. Because I wish I could turn back the clock and do it all over again. It's such a quick trip. But I didn't write. But then you became teenagers, and now you're out on your own, and you're such a moron. I don't tell them that, okay? <laughs> Some parents do. And a lot of Christians, that's exactly what they do. Why shouldn't they know better? They just found the Lord a week ago. How could they call themselves a Christian and do that? I don't know. How can you call yourself a Christian and talk like that? See, I, when do we stop it? And realize I can't change a life, you can't change a life, but the Holy Spirit can. And, and, he will, and He will do it gradually. That's why I said, doesn't that just feel, ah. He'll, he'll do it gradually because He loves you. And He shows us and we grow a little more and He shows us and we grow a little more. That's why we stay in the Word. We make the choice. We're learning about Him. See, that's what 2 Corinthians 3 says. As the Spirit of the Lord works, notice, as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, notice the progression, here it comes, we become more and more like Him. See, when God wants to make a mushroom, He takes six hours. When He wants to make an oak tree, He takes 60 years. So the question you need to ask yourself is, do you want to be a fungus or a foundation? <laughs> See, you've got to decide. By the way, as your pastor, can I just say something? I can help you get from here to here. But I can't do it for you overnight. There's no such thing as instant maturity, and you can't microwave the work of the Spirit. He's a crockpot. I'm going to invite the team out because here's number four, and it's really important. I'll close. This has been good stuff. Helpful? Here's number four. Belong to believers. I want you to look at some right now and say, I belong to you, okay? Oh, now, by the way, now turn to someone you're not married to because they know that, okay? <laughs> right? right? Turn to someone else because they know that. 
And notice, it's always the guy turns to the wife and says, I belong to you. She's like, I know, man. You'd be doomed without me, buddy. All right? But belong, belong to believers. See, one of the great necessities in being a follower of Jesus is our need of community. That's what he said in verse 25. Put away all the lies. Put away the falsehood. Tell your neighbors the truth because we belong to each other. Note the word belong. If you're a believer, you're a belonger. See, I, I got to help you with this. If you're serious about changing your deepest hangups and defects, if you're serious about fighting this battle and winning, you need others in your life. You cannot do it in isolation. That's why it breaks my heart when I hear Christians go, you know, well, I don't need the church. Wow. Really? What, what Bible do you read that in? Because that's not in there. I, I, and I'm, I, I get it. You you've probably were hurt. Someone in the name of Jesus stabbed you in the back. Can, can I just share this with you? First of all, I'm sorry for that. I really am. Especially if it was me. Because I'm very aware I'm capable of that. And I'm sorry. But don't let that determine your incredible walk with Christ and the need of his beautiful wife called the church. See, I think it's in those times where we actually mess it up that we can really decide and grow the most and then show the world how cool being a follower of Jesus is. That's when it happens. See, change never happens in isolation. But when you choose to be there, that's exactly where the devil wants to get you. Because a wolf never attacks the sheep in a herd. He tries to get a sheep in isolation. That's why the Bible says, I'll leave the 99 for the one. I just got to get them back into the herd so they can see how beautiful they really got it. It's a beautiful thing. We need each other. Proverbs 28 says, you'll never succeed in life if you try to hide your sin. Confess them to one another and give them up then God will show you mercy. See, here's what I think. Our biggest hurdle to holiness is we all want to look good, don't we? That's why it's so easy to play the game. We want everybody to see how great we got it. We don't sure want them to, to be in our minds. Now remember, the battle's in the mind. So we don't, we don't want them to know that we have those lustful thoughts that we shouldn't have had. We don't want them to know those murderous thoughts we had when we were driving yeah, we laugh, but they actually come up sometimes, don't they? You're just like, oh, what the heck was that? The Bible says the mind of man is ugly, it's evil. Who can ever know the mind of Christ? But it's the mind of Christ that we need. But we don't want to talk about those. We don't want to talk about those things that we might have struggles with because we want to look good. So we become an image conscience rather than intimate conscience. But when you're in a group, you're, this is fun, when you're in a group with healthy, godly believers, 
they already know. You don't have to look good because they already know you don't look good because they know they don't look good. That's why they just share. That's why when you're talking, you're saying, listen, man, I've been married for all these years and God, I've just got this lustful thought. And, and, I, and they're like, know exactly what you're talking about. Been there. And that's where, you, you, and the more you have those people, you just feel you can share anything. God, man, I have road rage, and sometimes I'm driving. It's terrible. I mean, I'm telling you, I get so angry. They said, like, you want to kill them, don't you? And they're like, yeah. You think I haven't thought that way? See, and that's that iron sharpening iron. It's a whole different world when you're sitting with someone and you say, listen, man, I got these thoughts. And I'm like, huh? Huh? How could, huh? And that's, who would want to be a part of that church? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. The only one in this room who's holy and perfect, his name is Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit because of Almighty God. It ain't Preacher Keith. But I'm seeking that one. And you need to seek him too. We need to be in life with others. Galatians 2 Six two says, by helping each other with your troubles, you are now truly obeying the law of Christ. You know what the law of Christ is? Love God and love one another. So here's my question as I pray. How serious are you about winning the battle? Because your lots are shaping your life. What you think is determining everything. When Paul said, I know whom I believeth, and I'm convinced he's able to guard that which I've entrusted. You know that truth, and it will set you free. Are you learning it? Are you making the choice? Are you letting the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can? And are you doing it with others? You'll win every time. Father, your word is so good. Wow. It's so good. God, thank you. I thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you that we get to do life together. And it's not easy. I get it. That old Keith wants to stick its head up. And so many lies that I've believed that I still get affected by today. But we have the power of the Spirit that says, whoa, whoa, stop. That's not the truth. And we read the word and it's just like it washes it away. It tells us who we really are. We're a child of the King. Maybe a prodigal once, but we're home with the Father. And you clothe us with righteousness. You crown us with glory. You've shod our feet with truth. You give us a heart of righteousness. That's who you are. You are a good Father. And I say thanks. God, I love the church. I pray that everyone in their spirit right now would say, I love the church. I love the bride of Christ of which I'm a part. God, I thank you. May we walk in that today, growing in the truth of who we are and who you are. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, 
go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.